Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Before we get to the message, I want to encourage all of you who live locally to go online and sign up for one of our backyard barbecues this summer. Oaks Barbecues are your best opportunity to meet and make new friends at Oaks Church. To see all the available groups and sign up, visit oakschurch.com forward slash groups. Now, let's check out today's message. Let's get started. Today I want to talk about purpose and God's will in our lives, but I want to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, and Paul is writing this, and Paul, if, if you don't know, Paul wasn't a pastor, Paul wasn't an evangelist. Paul wrote most of the New Testament, but Paul was an apostle. And what Paul did was he went from different cities where he felt like the Lord was leading him and he would train up the church, he would plant the church, he would plant uh, pastors and elders and, and the team, but then he'd go travel. But a lot of our New Testament is written to those churches, churches like the church in Corinth, but it also relates to our church, uh, Oaks Church, and I'm really excited uh, about this, but I wanna read from the words of Paul. He's writing to the church of Corinth, which is about 50 miles west of Athens, Greece, and he says this, remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I am not like a boxer who misses his punches, but I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. God, right now, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your presence. Lord, right now, I just pray that you touch every person where they are with your tangible presence. We thank you for your goodness, for your love. And Lord, right now, I just ask you for your favor, for your wisdom, and for your anointing. And Lord, I just declare that each one of us will leave here better than the way we came in. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, have you ever been lost? Yeah. Anyone in here ever been lost? Now, whenever I say lost, you either got annoyed and you're like, why did you have to bring that up? I was in a good state. I was really feeling it. Um, but if you've ever been lost, now there's two kinds of loss. One is kid loss. That kind of loss is you either lost your kid. You're like, why would you bring that up, bro? Or you were lost as a kid. That's I lost the people that feed me, protect me, take, take care of me. Like, I don't even know how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I don't do the laundry yet. I don't do dishes. My whole life is going to end because I'm lost. And the second loss is adult loss. And that would be pertaining to you guys. That is you're driving somewhere and you got lost and you're frustrated. You're like, this should have been easier it's supposed to only take 15 minutes. It's taken me 30. They said it was gonna be right here. And that, used, that can be a frustrating type of feeling. But when I was a kid, I went to Disney World for the first time. I was seven years old. 
and I, we have pictures of this. Remember when pictures weren't digital, but you actually had to go to CVS or Walgreens and you printed it out? And, um, but I went to Disney World for the first time, and I met Mickey Mouse. And when I met Mickey Mouse, my jaw dropped to the floor. I'm like, this is it. This is the icon. Like, this is what I've been seeing on TV, larger than life. I mean, I just got so excited, and it's kind of embarrassing now, but I see that picture, and I'm like, wow, like, this dude is the stuff, okay? But later on in that trip, we went to this place called Typhoon Lagoon. And that was a wave pool. Now, I've always loved the water, hence the tan. That will fade in a few months, but hey, I got it for now. But I've always loved the water, loved the beach. And at this wave pool, it was like a beach, but it was enclosed. But I was with my parents. I'm an only child. And I kept going deeper and deeper. And I, and I looked at them, and they were looking at me. But all of a sudden, I got taken out by the water. And when I came up, I looked around side to side. I looked in front of me, I looked behind me. I'm like, oh crap, where'd they go? And I kept looking, you gotta remember, I'm seven. I'm this high, I start to whimper. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm a man, but I'm seven. I'm not really a man. But that's what I would tell myself. And I started looking around and I couldn't find them anywhere. And I had this thought, so this is how it ends. This is how it ends. Like, I don't know these people. They're not gonna take care of me. But I went and I found help and it felt like an hour or two hours but it was really only a matter of five to 10 minutes. And I'm crying and I'm at the, with an employee and then, then all of a sudden I look and I see them and they start running, I start running. We're all crying and I'm just like, I'm found, I'm not lost anymore. Like, I'm going to make it. But the second type of loss is when you get lost driving. Now, whenever I started dating Angel Marie about nine years ago, uh, we, we lived about an hour apart, and whenever we met or went on a date, which was about maybe twice a week, but we'd always meet in the middle. And we'd set up different spots or different dining options, and sometimes, you know, obviously be a new place. But here's the problem. And this story has been pre-approved, so I won't get in trouble for telling you this story. I love you, but you're not worth the trouble. Okay, so, but whenever we picked a new place, I'd pull up, I'm waiting, I'm looking at the time, then I would get this call, and it's Angel Marie, and she's frustrated. She said, you said it was gonna be here, but it's not, okay? Like, I followed your directions, I'm lost, I need help. You know how it is when you get lost and you get frustrated, you get moody, even though you go to a nice dinner or you see a great movie, it's all ruined now because you were lost, you were moody. You're like, why did this happen to me? So we established a rule in our relationship that we would meet at the same two or three locations every time that we met. See, there's this thing I wanted called happy wife and happy life. And I had to successfully get out of this boyfriend, girlfriend stage, if I was gonna reach my potential in that area. See, I wanna end up like Larry and Suzanne, I wanna be married for 50 years. I'm like, man, this girl is too good to let go. But you know, we all have been lost physically, but living without purpose, living without meaning, living without vision, feels a lot like being lost. 
There's an external loss, but there's also an internal loss. I bet most of us have struggled with finding our place or maintaining our sense of purpose. You know, as I look across the room, and maybe I had a one-on-one conversation with you or really with anyone, I think one of the top five questions that most Christians have is, what is God's will for me? What's God's will for me? Maybe in your career, maybe in your relationship choice, maybe with your next step, and you don't wanna miss it, and you start to pray about it, you're like, what does God want me to do here? A lot of times it can overcomplicate our lives, so I believe today will be very helpful. I just wanna talk about God's will for about eight minutes, and then I'll talk about purpose. But Ephesians chapter five, verse 17, Paul says this, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Colossians chapter three, verse 17, Paul says this, and whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let me say it like this. Let me submit this to you. And then I'll explain it to you. God's will is whatever. Whatever you do or say, let it be done as a representative of the Lord Jesus. I've heard this statement quite a bit. I just don't know what God wants me to do. You know, the word of God is the will of God. You know, the ways of God are clear in the word of God. You know, I think God is more concerned that we know his revealed ways more than his concealed ways. How many times we have people in our lives, whether it be employees or children, and we know they know what to do, but they get consumed with what's next and what's coming, and you're like, hey, can you just do what I asked first, right? And then we'll get to this. Let's talk about a few things that we do know. God's word says in Proverbs 18, that the man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. But he never said who it was going to be. Wouldn't it be easy if 22-year-old Brandon was just flipping through his Bible? He's like, man, oh, wow. Angel Marie, I got this, right? And let me through a step-by-step process, when to meet her, who to connect with, what to do and what not to do. Wouldn't that be easy? But he never says who it's going to be. You know, I don't believe in the one. I believe I got the best one. That's my corny husband joke of the day. Y'all don't even like it. You don't even like it. <laughs> I'm a loud one, right? But I don't think there's a certain one. If everyone had a specific one, so you're telling me if one person messes it up, that it messes it up for all of us. I believe there's a great one. There's a right one. But it's not always gonna be, love is more about choosing and not just a feeling. Amen, all right. Psalms 127 verse three says that children are a gift sometimes, I'm kidding, children are a gift from the Lord. But notice it doesn't say how many to have, doesn't say when to have them, it doesn't say what to name your kids. 
It doesn't say what happens when you get more than you planned for, and you're like, man, like I thought I was done, and I got this beautiful gym, right? Let's make this work. We're going to make it work. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, one more. Paul says, to work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord. But it doesn't say where to work. You know, I think God's more concerned with how you go to work than where you choose to work. And if wherever you are and you love your boss, or there's a great chance, hey, maybe you don't like your boss. What if you started working for the Lord rather than for people? He's more concerned with how you go there than where you go. The word of God is the will of God. Let me say it like this. When I walk in God's ways, he will lead me in his will. When I walk in God's ways, he will lead me in his will. What's something that Christians are known to do? We all know that Christians are supposed to be loving. Loving, love is patient. Am I patient? Love is kind. Am I kind? Love has no envy. It doesn't get jealous. It, right? All these different things. And how am I concerning God's ways? You know, when I was 18 years old, and I'm sure you guys remember this, maybe a few of you don't remember it, but let me give you a little clue on juniors and seniors in high school. We put this, the top question they hear, some of you juniors and seniors you already know, some of y'all remember, the top question is, hey, what do you wanna do with your life? <laughs> hey, where do you wanna go to school? And you're like, I don't know, let me grow up first, okay? How many of us really knew what field or what path or what career we might end up in at 17, 18 years old? I remember when I was 16 years old, I had narrowed it down to three things. I'm not going to mention the other two because it's embarrassing. I look back now, I'm like, no, that could have never happened. But there was one, one of them was an athletic trainer. Come on, it's not going to happen with this. I don't want to do that. But one of them was, you know what, I'm going to be, I want to be a speaker. I don't know if it's at a church or traveling, but here's the crazy part. I had never spoken once. I was the quiet kid. That's what made me nervous. You know, being up here, this is not my comfort zone. But it is my purpose. My purpose is equipping people. It's loving people. It's training people. But if we constantly stay in our comfort zone, we'll never grow. If you lead a comfortable life, but you're not growing, I don't mean wealth, anything like that, but I mean are you comfortable as a person? If you're living a comfortable life, you're not growing. You're maintaining. And that's me putting it nice. You're probably dying. <laughs> but it takes growth. When I was 18 years old, I, and I met with Pastor Joel, and I didn't know what all it would look like, but I remember, as most 18, 19, 20-year-olds and, and leading on, I'd be so consumed with doing the right thing, making the right choice, picking the right person, and I'd fall off the wagon, I'd sin, I'd mess up, I'd make choices that I'd be embarrassed of. But when I was 25 years old, two of the main things that I'd been working for happened. I found my vocation, and I got married to my wife. 
And on that year, I looked back on the previous 10 years. And I realized all of that happened because of two decisions. All this other stuff that I was obsessed with, that I was consumed with, it's like it didn't even matter. God was gonna make sure that I ended up in the right space, in the right place anyway. And every time I'd veer off and I'd go to the left or I'd go to the right or maybe I wanna backpedal and not do this anymore, he's just like, hey, this way. Run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. And I realized two things. We tend to overcomplicate what God has made simple. And the second thing is that God's will is a person more than a place. When you read the New Testament, what is Jesus doing? And then copy it. That's the will of God. Let me give one more thought on this. I'm gonna say this sensitive. Sometimes we get so spiritual that we get stupid. Oh, y'all like that. I'm not gonna say it again. All right. It's like <laughs> we're looking for signs and we're looking for God to show up, but what does God say? He says signs will follow those that believe. He never said, hey, ask me for a sign. He never said, some, of us, some, some people, none of us, some other people. You might be like, man, I'm trying to make the right choice. I'm trying to make the right, right career move, the right relationship move. Lord, I'm at Starbucks right now. Tell that person to come talk to me and I'll know it's you. See, that kind of sign is Old Testament. It's not New Testament. You know, Jesus never said, hey, Pray for a sign. Jesus said, you asked me for, the, the people that asked me for a sign is a wicked and an evil generation. You want a sign from me? Bury me for three days and I'll come up again. That'll be my sign for you. Let me talk about Moses for just a moment. Moses... He was an Israelite that led the um, Israelites out of Egypt, but Moses was adopted by the most powerful family in the world who was Potiphar in Egypt. And Moses grew up in the most successful, powerful family in the entire world till he was 40 years old. He made a wrong move. He killed somebody. That would be a wrong move. Then he exiled. He went somewhere else for the next 40 years. Got married, had kids, had a vocation. His vocation was a shepherd. And was eight, when he was 80 years old, when he thought his best days were behind him, that he thought his best chances were behind him, that God showed up. And God showed up in a burning bush that he set on fire, started speaking to Moses. But notice, Moses wasn't looking for a burning bush. He was just faithfully leading sheep. When you faithfully Lead your sheep, God will send you burning bushes. If you'll just walk in God's ways, he will lead you in his will. Now let's talk about being intentional with our steps. There are 86,400 days, 400 seconds in every day. We each have the same 1,440 minutes to spend however we choose. Some moments will be memorable. 
some will be regretful, and some are too often wasted. These small units of time are too often filled with little things that really seem to matter at the time. We seek small pleasures, we avoid minor discomforts, and we pursue trivial goals. We are too easily offended or too consumed with the opinions of others. And if we aren't careful, we simply begin to exist and not to really live. You know, I heard this beginning this year, and it really rocked me, and I... I just can't forget it. The average lifespan of a human being is 78 years right now. 28 years of a normal person will be spent sleeping. Congratulations. Seven of those 28 years, you will be lying in bed worrying about what is coming next in your life. 11 of those years will be watching TV. Congratulations. Or scrolling through your phone. I see some of y'all couples elbowing each other, getting convicted, all right. Ten and a half years will be spent working. Four of those years will be spent driving. Then you add all the years spent eating, getting dressed, and doing random tasks, and it leaves you with approximately eight years to live your life. If I told you right now that you have eight years left, what would that do to your sense of urgency? How deep would your gratitude for each moment become? Moses wrote one chapter in Psalm, Psalm 90, verse 12, and he said in that verse, teach me to number, everybody say number, all right, three of you, teach me to number my days. He didn't say name the days. He said number. You know, God told Adam, the first human, he said, I want you to name people. I want you to name places. I want you to name the animals. But I don't, you, I don't want you to name your days. I want you to number them because if you just name it, you'll miss it. But if you number it, you'll make it count. Everything has a beginning and an end, and we need to be more selective with the days we have. There was a study done with over 50 people that were over the age of 95 years old, people that had lived full lives, and they asked them all the same question. If you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? And the overwhelming response was this, I would take more risk. I just wish I would have gone for it more. They didn't wish they were more successful. They weren't even wishing that they hadn't failed. They just wished they would have gone for it and lived with purpose in every step. You know, God doesn't get any glory by you playing it safe. You know, when you read the Bible, you never read a boring story of somebody watching TV, right? It's, uh, and Samson was reading a book. No, it's like somebody was always making it happen. Somebody was always putting all their chips to the middle of the table and saying, you know what, God, you said this. You're leading me here. All the evidence is contradictory, and I probably shouldn't do this, but you said it, so I'm gonna follow you. God called Gideon. Here's Gideon. Gideon is the most insecure person that you've ever met. Gideon called himself the most unlikely in his family, in his race, to do something. 
And God said, no, 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 no. You're a mighty warrior. And he's like, I'm not fighting anybody. And the Lord's like, not now, but you will. And God asked 30,000 warriors to Gideon. And then God says, you know what, that's too many. Takes 27,000 away. And Gideon's like, man, I need these 3,000. Like, don't take any more. And God said, you know what, still too many. And he left him with 300 warriors. And they still won the fight. Abraham moved his family from the only country that he ever knew to the promised land that God had for him. David saw Goliath and he didn't see a problem. He just saw an opportunity. God used Moses who thought things were over for him, but God said, I'm just getting started with you. And then Jesus tells the story of the parable of the talents and he rewards the people. He used everything they have and multiply it. You know, there's such a thing as living with purpose. William Sheed said this, he said, a ship is safe. Sorry, I lost my place, but I know it's behind me. A ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships are for. It's not what ships are for. It's not what humans are for. Humans aren't made. You, you know you weren't created to play it safe. You weren't created to never take a risk. You weren't created to dream small. You weren't created to have low-level friends. Is that too much? I mean, invest in yourself. Have the right friends. Have the right relationships. Don't choose low, choose high. And if you're settling in friends, then you're settling on yourself. And the level, the quality of your relationships is the quality of your life. Show me your five top friends, and I'll show you, what's it said? The books you read and the five top people that you hang out with is who you're gonna be in the future. Okay, most people don't read, throw that out the window. Your five friends, that's your future. Choose wisely. You know, this past year, uh, I've, I've played it a little riskier than I have. Um, about a year ago, I wrote a book. I didn't wanna write a book. It wasn't on my 2018 goals. It wasn't something that I even really knew how to do. So I asked a lot of questions from a lot of people and just went for it. Can I tell you that taking that risk was a very vulnerable thing for me? Every voice coming to my head is, Brandon, no one's gonna read it. This isn't gonna impact anybody. Don't even waste your time. You know, I had one person that I'm close to. I told him the day that I was gonna start writing my book, and he said, hey, don't you think that's just a face? Oh, okay. 30 minutes later, I get to my office and I say, forget that. Forget on the stage, right? I said, forget that. I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah. And then us being here and, and launching this church and being at O's, hey, it's a risk. But God didn't call us to play it safe. God only calls us to follow him. And wherever he's following, or excuse me, wherever he's leading you, that's the safest path for you. There might be other paths that look safer, but if God's not in it, it's a treacherous path. You can't live in fear with what might happen. Go make your life happen and you won't have any regrets. When my life ends here and I go to heaven and I meet Jesus, my hope is he will say, well done, good and faithful 
servant. Who makes you good? Jesus. Who makes you faithful? You do. If he says that, in my mind lately, I've been imagining a ceremonial exit before I go through the pearly gates and I meet the man that I was supposed to be. Brandon Cox at 100% capacity. And my goal is that we're twins. I don't wanna meet this man and be like embarrassed, like, man, I missed it. I wish I would've been you. I wish I would've taken more risks. I wish I wouldn't have settled in these different areas of my life. I wish I would've followed God even when it hurt. But when I meet that man, I wanna look like him. If you met the ultimate version of yourself, that should be the goal, is being like that person. What if every decision that we made, every action we take is measured against one simple question, will this get me closer to the man or woman that I was destined to be? There's a statement that I heard a few months ago and it's really been challenging me and I, and I just can't forget it and I wrote it down and I keep referring to it. But it's from a man, a pastor named Paul Scanlon who pastored a church in Bradford, England for a number of years and now he travels a lot and speaks to different groups. And, but he said this, he said, if something excites you, run towards it. But if something excites you and scares you, run twice as fast. You know, have you ever done something? Remember the last time you kind of felt a butterfly, kind of got a little nervous, kind of felt in the pit of your stomach, but you're also kind of excited about it. What if we started chasing butterflies? The tickle in your stomach, maybe as you stepped on the field of a big game in high school, when you sat in the waiting room for an important interview before giving a presentation, or maybe it was when you married your spouse and you felt that tickle, you felt that anticipation. The uncertainty of conquering your biggest dreams will give you butterflies. So here's my question. When was the last time you felt that? And that will indicate your progress and your growth in your life. If you're not experiencing butterflies as you work towards your dreams, then you're not chasing the right thing, you're not chasing your true destiny. The quality of your life is a direct proportion to the amount of times you've got to experience the uncertainty. You know, all the greatest moments of your life, all the top memories of your life happened right after you felt those butterflies. You know, when I meet this uh, version of myself that I was supposed to be, I have a feeling that we're not gonna be talking about that time I sat on my couch and I watched season three of Stranger Things. Uh, we're not gonna be talking about Eleven's immense power and how we all wish we could be like Eleven. Um, we probably, I probably would be a little bit surprised by this. We probably won't be talking about the 2011 Dallas Mavericks winning the title. Although we probably will for a few minutes. We're probably going to talk about those butterfly moments, the times we really went for it and made it happen in our lives. Let me conclude with just some practical steps. Number one, make the days count. Instead of counting the days. Instead of just counting the days till Friday, 
Ah, oh, tomorrow's Monday. God, what am I going to do? I don't want that. Five days till Friday. What if you made the days count instead of counting the days? Utilize the time in your days. Every day counts, so you might as well make it count. Also realize this, you can't be who you're going to be and who you used to be at the same time. Because if I'm going to make changes in my life, if I'm gonna make some different decisions, I can't keep doing the same things that I've been doing that got me to there, not here. The second thing, and there's only three things, the second thing is make a firm decision on the type of life that you want to live. Dream about it, pray about it, talk to your close friends and your family, but ultimately, do what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need another average person. And here's the thing. No average person was designed to be average, but they settled for average. Grant Cardone very spiritual man, I don't know if he is or not, but he says it like this, he said, decide what kind of life you want, then say no to everything that isn't it. If it doesn't fit with who you're supposed to be, then do less of it, stop doing it. If it doesn't make you better, there's no point in doing it. The third and final thing is live with purpose in every step. Live with purpose in every step. Benjamin Franklin said that most men die at age 25, but we just don't get around to burying them until they are 75. This is referring to the fact that most people, not us, most people don't live a fulfilling life. Not me, not us. They stopped doing the six-year-old version of them or what they used to do. But what if we made a decision today to be on a quest, to be on a life mission, to never be the same version of me, to never be the same version of you year after year after year after year? I challenge you to make sure that next year you don't look the same as this year. But more importantly, make sure this year you don't look the same as last year. Keep the good things, do more of it, do more of it. Faithfulness is where it's at. Faithfulness is what Jesus looks at. You know, faithful, uh, Jesus doesn't look at your Instagram followers, he doesn't look at your network or your net worth. He doesn't look at your linked one. Doesn't even really look at your bank account. He's aware of all these things, but the most crucial thing to him is just, hey, are you faithful? He didn't say, are you perfect? But, hey, were you faithful? Hey, I know you went to the left and you went to the right and you went behind you sometimes. And that's fine. But when I tugged at you, when I called you, did you come back and just keep following me? You know you're gonna make mistakes and that's fine. You're gonna feel shame over things you do in the future. It is what it is. 
but just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. Just keep following Jesus. Just keep doing the right thing. Because we, over, we overcomplicate everything else. And at the end of the day, you can lay in bed and say, hey, was I faithful today? Because if you were faithful today, guess what? You had a good day. You had a good day. Now do it again. And just do it again. You know, I went on a trip with um, Pastor Joel a few years ago, and I just kind of stragged along like I've been doing for the last 13 years. And, and he, he, hey, man, find the people in your life who are winners and then attach yourself to them. That might be one of the smartest things that you do. Could I just keep winning with him? So I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'm with you. But we went to a trip, we were on a trip, and it was the coolest place that we've got to go. It was Laguna Beach in California, and I have officially seen heaven on earth, at least in America. And we were there, and we really only had a two-hour ministry time, and I won't even mention what the ministry was. You wouldn't want to do it, neither did I. Um, It's a different, different message, different service. But the three and a half days that were just fun, where were we gonna eat? What beach were we gonna hit? What were we gonna do? I'm telling you, we drew from, drove from Malibu to San Diego. And the line of the trip was, we'd bring up, hey, do you wanna do this? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, in your life, what if you had that mindset? Why wouldn't I? Why not me? Why not us? You know, God doesn't have a lid for you. This bottle has a lid. It can hold 10 ounces of water. But your life doesn't have a lid. And you might feel stretched. You might feel like you're beyond your capacity. But all that means is you're growing now. And the more you grow, the more capacity you have to handle what God has for you. And he'll give you a bigger cup. And then he'll give you more water. He'll give you a bigger cup. He'll give you more opportunity. He'll give you a bigger cup. And there's no limits. There's no limits to this. There's no limit with you. Man, what can God do through you? Anything you say yes to. And that's what he'll do. Amen? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for placing unlimited potential in us. Lord, we know it's unlimited because you reside in us, that we're following you. Lord, help us to live with purpose. Help us to live with meaning. Help us to just have that gnawing thought in our head. Hey, I gotta number my days. Today counts. Today's not an off day for me as a person, but today counts. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.